Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Verse 16, he turned to her at the roadside and said, come, let me come into you. He just goes for it. He's just very, you know, up front. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, what will you give me that, I may, that you may come into me? He answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. And she said, if you give me a pledge until you send it. So he said, well, what pledge shall I give you? He re- she replied, your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So this would be like a, uh, a customized little stamp thing that you would mark your letters with and, and, and things of that nature. It was, it was custom to you. And then your staff, you would know that staff really well. You would know the, you know, the gnarling on the staff and the, the, the way the wood grain was, right? You would be really familiar with this. So these are all very personal items that she's asking from Judah. Um, so he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went away, and taking off her veil, she put on the garments of her widowhood. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend the Adolamite, to take back the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. And he asked the men of the place, where is the cult prostitute who is uh, at a name at the roadside? And they said, uh, no, cult, no prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. Also, the men of the place said, no cult prostitute has been here. And Judah replied, let, uh, let her keep the things as her own, or we shall be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat, and you did not find her. So Judah has Hira pop into the local gas station. He's like, hey, fellas, uh, this goat here is for the prostitute that was on the corner over there. Where can I find her? And they're like, looking at him like he's crazy. There ain't no prostitute around here. Not in these parts, no. And, and he's like, okay, and he backs out with his goat. And he's like, Judah, Judah, that was like so awkward. Don't make me do that again. And Judah's like, we should probably keep this to ourselves because this is a little embarrassing. So let's not talk about this anymore. So that's basically what they come to. We're just going to keep this to ourselves. Verse 24. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has been immoral in prostitution, is what that word means. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality or by prostitution. And Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. Come on, buddy. What's the, where is the disconnect here? It's, just, it's amazing sometimes how blind we are to our own hypocrisy. It really is. It really is. And, and the scary part is we could be just as blind to it. We, we see how ridiculous this is because it's so obvious to us. But when you are a hypocrite, it's not so obvious to you. We have blinders that keep us from seeing sometimes how hypocritical we really are. Judah sleeps with a prostitute like it's nothing. Uh, you know, no consequence again, right? Sex-free, conse- uh, consequence-free sex. No obligations. No emotional attachment. Just, it's just some prostitute. That's just what she does. And, you know, it was a business transaction. No biggie. He gives no thought as to who it was. What her story was. Whose daughter was she? 
Is she married to anybody? Is she anyone's daughter-in-law? No, he don't care. He just sleeps with her. But then you take the same prostitution that he was involved with, and now you put it in the context of his daughter-in-law who was supposed to honor him through her celibacy and save herself to, to bring forth heirs for Judah and for Judah's sons. And now all of a sudden, oh, he's up in arms because he's the offended party in this matter. He is just outraged. What? She was involved in prostitution? How dare her? You know prostitution is wrong. You know Grandpa Abraham would have frowned upon this. How sickening. You know, he's just like such a hypocrite. Let's burn her. I don't even want to talk to her. We're just going to burn her. Dude, are you serious? Are you hearing yourself? And, he, and by the way, he didn't even intend to honor her. That's, that's like another sick part of this whole thing. Like He was intending to let her live her life in her father's house as a celibate old woman who never marries again. That's where Judah was going to leave her. But man, she went out and actually acted like a Canaanite. And she didn't honor me and my covenant, even though I wasn't going to honor her. It's just so, so hypocritical. And it's been said that our sin looks so much worse on other people. It's true. You see someone else doing something, you're like, oh my gosh. And you never even realize, dude, you do that every day. You do that every, hopefully not this, right? But I think, I think it's because we have this tendency, right, to, to judge ourselves with lots of grace. We're all, man, Sean, I'm about grace to grow. I just love that grace. Give me some grace to grow. And, and we judge ourselves by our own intentions. Well, you know, I, I meant well. You know, and, and it was just a moment of weakness. And I think the Lord will understand that we're like super gracious when we look at our own sin sometimes, aren't we? We're like, hey, you know, I tried this week. I tried. And, you know, hey, you know, there's grace. And then when we see it in someone else's life, all of a sudden we get black and white. And we judge them solely on their actions. We have no care for their intentions. This is what they did, and it was wrong, and, and this is what the Bible says, and, and that is backwards. That is backwards. It, it reminded me of Homer Simpson. Now, I don't endorse the Simpsons, but I grew up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so we watched the Simpsons like every night when I was a kid. So I've got a lot of bad Simpsons stuff in my head. Pray for me. But it reminds me of Homer Simpson. He was outraged because his dad had offended him, and he's complaining to his wife Marge about it. He's like, Marge, you wouldn't believe what he said. And Marge is like, you tell that to Bart every day. And Homer's like, yeah, but when I do it, it's cute. And it's like, no, you're, that's what we think. Well, my sin is cute. My sin is, it's just this little thing, but it's not cute to anyone else. It's not. It looks ju- it's just as bad as what that person's sin looks like to you. And here's the scary part. Jesus said, be careful how you judge others. Because the same measure, the same standard you use to judge others, he said, will be measured back unto you. Where does that leave Judah right now? If God were going to honor what Jesus just said, then Judah would be burned at the stake right now for his actions. She was in prostitution. She deserves to burn. And where's the guy involved? I want to know. Who's sleeping with my daughter-in-law? I want to know. Show me, show me who this is. And we'll burn him too, right? Maybe he was even thinking that. But the, Lord opens, the Lord's gracious. He opens Judah's eyes 
to his own hypocrisy. Verse 25, And she, as she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, By the man whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, Please, identify whose these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. Don't you just love it? <laughs> and Judah's like, Oh, well, no, no, we don't need the firewood. No, we're good. You can put that stuff. Okay, let me, let me just talk to her for a second here. And it's, it totally flips around on Judah. It says, verse 26, Then Judah identifi- uh, identified them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son Shelah, and he did not know her again, it says. But it is, it's, it's amazing how your perspective can shift can change when you go from being the offending party, making all your excuses, to all of a sudden now you're the one who's offended. When you're on the receiving end of someone else's sin, it really changes the way you view that action. Doesn't it? Jesus also said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And when someone treats you wrongfully the way you treat others, it's an eye-opening experience. It really is. You know, and, and there's been enough times in my life where I've been served the same sin that I was dishing out. And it's hard to swallow. But you know what? I'm thankful that God allowed me to see that. And it's happened to me enough to now when I see someone who's like irritating me or like a being very offensive or obnoxious in their pompousness or whatever it is, whatever, whatever sin it is that I'm looking at. Not all the time, but some of the time I have the sense to remember, hey, God, do I do that? Lord, am I looking at me? Lord, is that how people see me? The way, the way this person is making me feel right now, Lord, do... Do I make other people feel that way? Like, do people wish I would just shut my mouth sometimes the way I'm wishing this person would just quiet? You know what I mean? Like, to turn it around and be like, Lord, is this, are you showing me me? Does this sin manifest in my life like that? Because when, you, when you've felt the offense and you, you see the other side of your sin, it's good medicine. It's, it's good to, to realize, man, this wasn't, consequence free this wasn't a cute little it wasn't cute when I did this sin it was offensive it hurt somebody it made someone struggle it made someone uh, feel like less respected or you know whatever the nature of that sin and I'll say guys there's there's a similar hypocrisy to Judah that takes place that exists in the church today and I believe it's one that should be talked about more and I, I believe it's one that the Lord really wants to deal with. And that is, we, we as a church, as Christians, we passionately oppose abortion. We passionately come against sex trafficking. At least I hope you do as a Christian, because these are really bad things. And that's, that's okay that we are passionate about these things. But we should realize at the same time, there is a vast number of Christians that actively still support these industries by watching pornography. They struggle with it, but a lot of them just do it regularly and just give in because there's, there's something about it that makes it seem like it's consequence-free. 
No one else is involved. The real problem is you and your guilt before the Lord. I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but I say this because I think it might help overcome that struggle when you realize the other consequences involved. It's not just your own guilt and shame, although that's a big part of it. It's not just the violation of your own conscience. But to realize that when you engage, when you, when you watch pornography, that is a deposit in the account of a bank that supports the abortion industry and the sex trafficking industry. You need to realize that the people perhaps that you're seeing, some of them maybe were even forced, were kidnapped and forced into that lifestyle through sex trafficking. And, and so we as the church are talking out of both the sides of our mouth at that point. When we're going to say abortion and sex trafficking is wrong, and then we're going to turn around and, and, have, uh, and, and actively engage with pornography and watch pornography and buy pornography. Allow pornography in our marriage. People, Christians, allow pornography in their marriage. It is not healthy. It is not good. It is not what God wants. And it is a, it is a serious form of hypocrisy that God wants to deal with. And so again, I don't say this to shame anybody. I say this to say, hey, fight that fight. Knowing that there's more, just like Judah learned, there's no such thing as consequence-free sex. There's no such thing. Even, even with regards to that issue, there's always consequences for you and for anyone else that might be involved. Verse 27. It says, When the time of her labor came, there were twins in her womb. And she was in labor, and one put out a hand, and the midwife took the, and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first. But as his hand drew back in, behold, his brother came out, and she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore his name was called Perez, which means breach. And afterward his brother came out with the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. Zerah means risen. And just a, just a little cool fact. So as you study the Old Testament, scholars call it the scarlet thread. That talk, the, the areas that talk about Jesus. The ways in which Jesus pops in the Scriptures. And you can, you can follow it all, right? The seed of the woman in Genesis. The, the, uh, the, the covenant with Abraham all the way down. Joseph's life. You have these little pictures of Christ of talking about what Jesus would fulfill one day, the scarlet thread. And here we have this baby born with a scarlet thread tied around his hand and his name is risen. It's one more link within that scarlet thread. But the scandalous situation, it ends with another testimony of God's grace. Judah, who deserved to be burned with fire, God ends up blessing him with twins, with two baby boys. Is that not a picture of God's grace? Judah, you, you're working so far against me, so, hardly, so hard to not walk in my will, that I have to actually force this blessing into your life. You're going to have two healthy baby boys that will, that will be in the line of Jesus. And I'm going to have to do it. I have to finagle it and, and bring Tamar into your life to bless you. To me, it's just amazing how, how good and gracious God is. Even as his kids, when we don't honor him, he runs after us to bless us. He blesses Judah. Tamar here, who was forgotten by Judah, was remembered by God. And she's now brought into this holy family as the mother of these two boys. 
And more than that, one of these sons, Perez, breach. It's through, it's through Perez that Jesus would be born. Again, they don't necessarily know this as far as we know. This prophecy doesn't come until after, till the end of, of Jacob's life. But it would come Jacob. In fact, let me read you in Matthew chapter 1 in the lineage of Christ. It says, verse 2, Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Tamar is one of only five women, guys, mentioned in Jesus' genealogy. Five amazing women of faith. She's placed among these women. Rahab, who was also a prostitute, who got out of that lifestyle and converted to worship Yahweh, the true God. Ruth, who married Boaz, was another kinsman-redeemer situation, just like what we see here, kind of a kinsman-redeemer situation. You had... um, Bathsheba was mentioned, who was actually forced into the situation and God honored her and God blessed her despite the fact that she was victimized. And you, of course, you have Mary, the mother of Christ. And Tamar is included in this list. Pretty amazing, pretty awesome privilege for a woman who was neglected and, and cast aside. Now, the immorality of Judah, the immorality of sons, they hog the spotlight of this chapter. But guys, if we look closer we'll see that this is really the story of how God pulled a Canaanite woman from an immoral, ungodly culture and called her to be a part of His chosen family. And it's really the story of a lot of us. How God called us out of this immoral culture to be a part of His family. He allowed her to be in the lineage of the Savior of the world. What a privilege. And I think there's a lot of hope in that, guys, as we, as we close this message out. And I just want to encourage you, do you feel judged? Do you feel like you're the one that's cursed? People are casting you aside. Do you feel like maybe you're the one that's forgotten? That there are people in your life that, that should be stepping up and honoring you in different ways and they've forgotten about you and they've cast you aside. God has His eye on you. Do you feel like you're stuck in an ungodly situation surrounded by people who won't do the right thing? God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't abandoned you to that situation. His eye is on you. And I want to tell you, just like it was for Tamar, God has amazing plans for you. If you choose to acknowledge God and walk in faith right where you're at, as messed up as the situation is that you're in, if you choose to honor God, God hasn't forsaken you. And He hasn't forgotten about you. He has amazing things in store for you guys. And lastly, may we learn from Judah's mistakes. May we recognize the ways that we allow compromise in our life. May we recognize the provisions we make for the flesh. You know what I mean, the little ways that you kind of leave that door open for sin to creep in. Man, I'm just so done with that sin. Oh, but I'm going to leave that door cracked open just in case I need to check it out or whatever. The provisions we make, may we be aware of those ways that we do that. May we stop that. May we take seriously the struggles in our life, but at the same time, guys, may we learn to view others with the grace that we want from God. May we learn to view others with understanding. Right? Extending grace to others. Amen? Let's all stand up. Let's pray. So Father, what a, what a chapter, Lord. And we thank You, God, that it's here for us to see, Lord God. We thank You that it provokes conversations that we wouldn't 
normally have, Lord, especially at church. We thank you, Lord God, that you have answers and direction for us even in the dark recesses of the struggles of our life and that you want to you speak to these issues, God. You're, you're an active father. You're a father who wants to be involved even in, in matters of sexual things, Lord God. You don't want to leave us undirected or leave us to our own devices. And so we thank you, God. We thank you for this chapter and what we learned from Judah and from Tamar and from the wicked sons, Lord God. We pray that we would honor you with our bodies. We pray that we would honor you with our actions. We pray that we would uh, be able to honor others, Lord God. That we would not defraud a brother or sister through sexual immorality, as it says in 1 Thessalonians. Lord, that we would know how to possess our own vessels in honor and, and giving grace to one another, Lord. May we be gentle in, in correction. May we be um, uh, understanding, Lord, of people's intentions, of people's situations around us. And God, may we receive Your grace by doing so because we need it desperately, Lord. God, nobody in here has figured this out. Nobody in here is free of sin. And so we pray uh, and, and close with the request that you would forgive us of our sins. And as just we remain in an attitude of prayer, if that's you, if you need forgiveness of sins, if you have not come to Jesus Christ to be your Savior, it's the only way to be forgiven before God. All of your sins, all of your wrongdoings, the Bible says, are written in a book. They are remembered and will be read aloud before the judge at the great, great white throne judgment. But those who come to Jesus Christ will have their sins blotted out. They will have their name put in the Lamb's book of life and your sins will be forgotten by God. Remembered no more. And so if you would like to receive that salvation, you would like to receive another chance before the Lord, a clean slate to have your sins washed away, then I encourage you now, come to Jesus Christ. Give your heart to Him now. Call out to Him even this moment to receive Him as Savior. And Lord, I do pray for those whom You're working in their hearts now, Lord, that You'd give them the courage to do that. That even now, they would pray that prayer in their hearts and receive You. That they'd simply say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. That I could move forward in the newness of life. And Lord, that they would sense that freshness. That refreshment that comes from You as we repent. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're hearing this and you'd like to give your life to the Lord now, I invite you to take the next step. Text the words, Ready for Jesus, to 94000, and we can follow up with you. One of our leaders will be able to contact you and get you some free resources to help you grow in the faith. We invite you to come out to our in-person services every Thursday evening at Calvary Tucson's East Campus in the coffee shop area. We meet at 6.30 p.m. for coffee, and our service starts at 7 p.m. In the meantime, keep reading, keep praying, and keep worshiping. God bless you.